Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. This is episode 259, When Good Books Go Wrong, an interview with Liz Johnson coming to you on Thursday, August 5th, 2021. So Liz is talking about her, her new book, Beyond the Tides, and how she originally had a plan for the story to go in this direction. But then when some things happened in her personal life, the story kind of went off the rails and it actually became this other story, which was super duper good because I just read it. <laughs> uh, and so she's talking to us about um, what happened, how it happened, uh, how she recovered, you know, having the book go go wrong, so to speak. But then the other thing is. I was so interested in every single thing that she said because, and she was also talking about her uh, past as a publicist and the work that she does as a marketer and all this advice and stuff that she can give us as writers. And so I literally lost track of time. I kind of apologize, but honestly, you're going to find so much great information in this interview that it's only a half apology, but I will stop talking so that we can get into it because it is a long episode. Here is Liz talking about writing, publicity, uh, publicity, marketing, and just everything that you could possibly be interested in talking to another writer about. You're going to love this interview. Today's guest is Liz Johnson. Liz is the author of more than a dozen novels, including the Georgia Coast Romance series and the Prince Edward Island Dream series, as well as a New York Times bestselling novella and a handful of short stories. She works in marketing and makes her home in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Liz. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yes, it's so good to have you back. You were here last August as well, episode yeah. 208. If anybody wants to check it out, we were talking about research. Yeah, that was so much fun. It was it was a great chat. That was it was fun, I have to say. I feel like I make like a new friend every time I interview somebody. I'm like, "You're so cool. I want to talk to you for like two more hours." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you must talk to so many interesting people. I just, yeah, I think that this is such a cool gig to get to chat with authors all day. If I could do that, that would be, I would love that too. Right. Sounds yeah. so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a lot of fun though. There are times when um, I look at my, my Facebook friends list, I'm, I'm doing something and I work with a business coach and she wants to be uh, kept up to date every quarter, like where my social media is at. So we know what we're going to do with it. And, and I'll look on there and I'll be like, okay, I don't remember. It might be 1500 or something. And I'm just like, I know that I know, you know, like probably five or 10,000 people, but 1500 people on my Facebook page, I'm looking over here because my, my computer, I have two screens yeah. open, but um, I'm just like, how many of those people do I really know, know, you know, where yeah. I can look at their name and, and go, oh yeah, Liz with the cool books. And we had those fun talks and she lives where I used to live as opposed to right. some people I'm like, are you a friend of my husband's? Mm -hmm. Is this, did you get married since I last knew you? Like, I don't recognize your name at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, I have exactly the same experience. Right. I'm like, did we meet in person at a conference or, or do I just know you because you're friends with all of my other friends right. and I'm supposed to know you? I don't know. And I feel terrible because I'm awful with names. I'm just really bad with names. So 
I feel, I always feel terrible, but I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go with, um, yeah, we've definitely met before. And, um, that's my new, like, it's so great to see you again, even if I have not met you in person. So yeah, I don't know my apologies in advance, if I ever meet somebody and they're like, we've not met. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's great <laughs> seeing you again. We yeah. haven't met Liz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that definitely happened to me at, um, uh, I think it was the last ACFW conference I yeah. went to uh, when they were live and in person. Yeah. And uh, I, um, of course, I knew the name Melissa Ferguson. She's a wonderful uh, writer. She writes rom-coms. She's super funny. She's so great. And I knew that I was Facebook friends with her and that I had followed her and we had chatted and she's great. But I, so I met her at ACF at the last ACFW I was at, and she was like, well, we met last year. And I was like, we did it. <laughs> Cause I don't remember that. <laughs> I felt like such a jerk, but she's so gracious. <laughs> and I was like, well, thankfully there's a lot of grace in social media. I think for people who are like, I don't remember meeting you in person, but it's yeah. not you. It's me. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm usually more the other side, like we'll go to events with my husband's work and um, he'll like squeeze my hand or nudge my shoulder in a way that nobody can see. And I know that it means I know them and I can't let them know that I can't remember their name because I work with them. So please oh, introduce yes. yourself. And like, we have this whole system worked out now so that nobody <laughs> really knows how bad John is with names. <laughs> That is but brilliant. It, it's good if you have like yeah. a, a partner in crime that you can work with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A, a wingman just to, just to be at your side. That is perfect. Exactly. Now, yes. if you are by yourself though, I am going mm -hmm. to not top your story so that I can be the coolest awful person, but just to make you feel better. Okay. <laughs> All right. At my last live in-person event, that was um, Mark Dawson's SPF live uh, conference in uh, London. And okay. uh, it was the first annual. And of course it was like four days before the whole world locked down. So mm -hmm. about a third of the people decided not to come just in case, you know, yeah. and uh, the London book fair, it was supposed to be in conjunction with the London book yeah. fair canceled. And oh. all of a sudden there was all these people standing around going, I don't know what to do with my time. Cause I came here to go to all these things but they still had the right. event so um so you know i'm saying hi to people and taking business cards and finding out who's doing what and that sort of thing and i introduced myself to adrian where are you from oh, austria oh that's really cool and then um i'm getting ready to go outside to lunch you know it's totally raining in london and um i'm walking next to somebody and i'm like hey i'm kitty what's your name adrian Oh, really? Where are you from, Adrian? I'm thinking, did I just meet an Adrian? She's like, Austria. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just said hello to you five minutes ago, didn't I? Guess what? A third time later. Oh, hi, no. I'm Kitty. Oh, no. I'm like, Adrian, do you have some sort of like Klingon cloaking device where you just look yeah. different when you put your, your coat hood on or something? Thankfully, she is awesome. And she just laughed every time. She's like, yeah, hi, I'm Adrian again. Yeah. <laughs> Still Adrian hasn't changed. Yeah, I'm still from Austria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, oh, no. we are actually really good friends now. So <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh my gosh. See, that's a way to like, once you have those faux pas, then it's like, oh yeah, now our connection is solid. Right. And and I feel that way with Melissa. I will never forget her again because yeah. I will never forget meeting her again because, you know, 
now I, I've had that experience of like, well, this was terrible. Sorry about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, oh. and so, and now, and now you have a connection point and everybody remembers that, oh, this was awkward, but also now it's going to be great. We can exactly. be good friends. Yeah. 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 All right. So this is great. We're actually going to circle back to this in a moment. Everybody, yeah. what we're going to be talking about is a combination of um, marketing, connecting with readers, and also, you know, some of the things that happen when, um, when it seems like every Everything is going to start out great on page one of your book mm -hmm. and then maybe doesn't quite go the way that you meant it to yeah. uh, in the middle. So, so we're going to be talking about like the middle of the writer's life <laughs> when things are sometimes going bad, but how we yeah. can bring it around to a strong finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so let's just start with if people want to learn a little bit more about like your your backstory, your your reader's backstory, <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. and um, like how you got started and that sort of thing. Yeah. We actually talked about it um, uh, more in, in episode two hundred eight. So we'll just say you know you're a published author, mm -hmm. and um, you've got uh, quite a few books out. Um, yeah. Working with one publisher, yeah. Multiple publishers. Mul yeah. Multiple, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I started writing for Love Inspired Suspense. Um, That's where I saw your name, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I wrote 10 books with them. And um, in 2016, my first full length trade contemporary romance released. And that was the Red Door Inn set on Prince Edward Island. And um, yeah, so and I wrote that book for Ravel. And I've done, um, let's see, I'm working on book number eight for them right nice. now. Um, and uh, the book that comes out uh, that comes out this August is um, book number seven for them. So okay, yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah so let's um, talk a little bit about um, Beyond the Tide. So you and I are talking in May, just so people mm -hmm. get a little confused listening to us. But this episode is going to air right after your book releases. So congratulations, yes. you have a new book out! Yay! Thank Yay. you. Yay! It feels great. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about Beyond the Tides and then uh, like the, what the, the story is about it's the beginning of a new yeah. series. And then let's um, kind of segue into like, what was it like writing this book? Yeah. 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 So Beyond the Tides is um, the story of Oliver Ross and Meg Whitaker. Um, Meg Whitaker, her dad owns a lobster fishing business on Prince Edward Island. And it, that's a huge industry on PEI, if you've ever been there. I remember learning what an important industry it was. The I, It must have been my last visit to the island, which was in 2015. And uh, it had snowed 25 feet of snow the year before. Wow. And I was like, I'm sorry, what do you do with that snow? PEI is a really tiny island. And I was like, oh, you just push it in the ocean. And they were like, no, we can't do that. We can't risk the fishing. Like we cannot risk the, the that we would, you know, um, that there would be chemicals that would be pushed into the water that would harm the lobsters. And I was like, I did not think about that. And so, um, so, but it was like their response, their reaction for me was like, oh, this is a big deal here. And of course I knew that, like there's lobster um, restaurants and stuff everywhere on the island, but lobster dinners are really popular. It's, it's obviously an important industry, but it is like the industry on the island. It's like tourism, lobster fishing. Those are your, those are your things on Prince Edward Island. And so in uh, Beyond the Tides, I focus on the lobster fishing side of things, which 
was so fun for me because I've actually been out on a lobster fishing boat with a lobster captain, Captain Mark. Um, He does tours during the off season. So I've been on his boat and gotten to haul in a lobster, gotten to hold a lobster, um, almost dropped a lobster, you know, like a few things like that. Like it's, it's a little bit intense, but it's a lot of fun. And And I think I remember Meg doing some of these things in the book. (laughs) Yes. Yes, she does. Um, So Meg has never uh, wanted the, the fishing business. She's a teacher. She's a scientist. She does not want to be a fisherman. But when her dad announces that he's going to be selling the lobster business um, to her arch nemesis, Meg is not having it. She is just not up for this. And so uh, she tells her dad, don't sell it to him, sell it to me instead. And uh, of course, Oliver Ross, um, who is was her high school arch nemesis, he ruined her chances for a scholarship 10 years before to an Ivy League school. And it was her chance to leave the island to pursue her scientific dreams. And she um, has a heart for mechanical engineering, which by the way, I don't know much about. So I had to do a (laughs) lot of research on that. Um, But she, um, yeah, she, so Oliver ruined her life um, in in her mind and his mind. Um, And so she left for college, but came back when her mom started to get ill. And as the book starts, they don't, um, the doctors still don't know what the diagnosis is. They're not sure what's causing her mom to fall regularly, to lose her memory, to have a hard time coming up with words, have a hard time communicating. There's just a lot of little things like she, she can't make eye contact and they're just not sure what it is, what's going on. And so Meg comes back to the island and has been there to help her dad care for her mom. Well, now her dad really just needs to focus on her mom. And so he's going to sell the, the business and Meg isn't having, having it. So her dad, everybody just calls him Whitaker, comes up with this great idea. Hey, why don't you guys work the lobster business together for the summer? Well, I say summer, but it's really for the season. And uh, it's about two months. You guys are going to work the, uh, the business together, work the boat. And then at the end of the summer, I'll decide who's going to get the business. And so here we are, arch nemesis. Um, she hates him. He knows he did her wrong all those years ago. And, um, and they have to spend two months together on a little tiny fishing boat with, um, <laughs> with one other deckhand. And so it's, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a fun, there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of heart to it. There's a lot of family relationships and dealing with family. And, um, but it's mostly about forgiveness and finding, um, yeah, just finding that love that heals wounds. And um, so, yeah, I, I loved writing that part of it and uh, just loved their relationship. And of course it's a romance. So, um, cause that's what I write and uh, <laughs> that's what I like to read too. Yeah. So um, yeah. So, so that's kind of the gist of the story. Nice. Yeah. It was really fun. And for people who like me had no idea where Prince Edward Island is, it's actually in Canada, right? It is in Canada. It's on the East coast. Uh, it's kind of Northeast of Maine. So um, if you are American and familiar with uh, the U.S. uh, geography, I always thought Maine stuck out into the ocean and just was out there. And it actually doesn't. Canada kind of wraps around it a little bit. And there's a little, um, 
yeah, there's just a little bay uh, north of Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And Prince Edward Island is the smallest province of Canada. And it's just tucked up in there, just a little tiny island. It's got like about 125,000 permanent residents and wow. lots of tourists. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I have to say the way you write it, I'm like, I should probably try to go there someday. <laughs> I like to say that like my dream job is to be on the PEI tourism board. I would really like for my whole job just to be to try and get people to visit PEI. Because <laughs> Ever since the first time I went, that's all I've done is, yes, you should definitely visit PEI. Let me tell you where to go. Here are the things to do. And I like to think of myself as like a would-be travel agent. Like if somebody reaches out to me and says, what should I do when I'm on the island? I have a whole list. I'm like, <laughs> let me tell you, like, you know, like they're going to tell you that you should go see this musical, but you shouldn't, you should go see Anne and Gilbert, the musical, because it's by far a better musical and it's really sweet and it's so cute. And it's always so well done. And like, you know, and people are like, really? And I'm like, trust me. And then they come back and they're like, you were so right. And I'm like, thanks. Okay. <laughs> I like to think of myself as an expert. Yeah. <laughs> so for everyone who's listening, thinking, yeah, I got to do that. There is a mm -hmm. button on your podcast app where you can hit star or save and you can save this episode and come back to it <laughs> when you get to go. You'll be like, oh yeah. All right, Liz, what did you tell me to do? Okay, yes. got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Nice. Okay, so I know last time you talked, you were excited to be writing back on this island again. Yeah, yeah. So you you uh, you started book one. You're excited yeah. to be back in Prince Edward Island yes. in your mind. Yeah. But then life didn't really go quite the way we all planned. I mean, yeah. COVID, yeah. a worldwide lockdown pandemic. But yes. some other things were affecting your writing as well. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Beyond the Tides is actually the first book that I like super did not make my deadline. Um, like I've like been a few days late on my deadline before, but I'm pretty like, I got to hit that deadline. There's a real date there in my mind. And um, I remember like um, my whole life kind of crumbled around me and I thought I'm not, I can't write this book right now. Yeah. And um, thankfully, my publisher was so kind and generous with me. And they were like, yes, of course, take the time that you need. So last April, I was sitting uh, at my dining room table with the rest of the world working remotely. And uh, I it was a, a Friday afternoon, and I was just doing my stuff. And I get this call from my sister in law. And she says, um, hey, I just thought you would want to know that dad's been rushed to the hospital. And he's in an ambulance right now. And I was like, thank you. I do want to know that. Yeah. Um, and so I find out. Um, so I immediately, like, I, I call my boss. I'm like, I'm, I'm gone. I'm done for the rest of the week. Like, I'm going to, to visit my family. They uh, live about three, three and a half hours away. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go. And I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to go. So I ended up um, talking to my mom shortly thereafter and finding out that my dad had, um, he just been sitting eating and he collapsed um, and he fell out of his chair and cracked his head open, um, broke his glasses, uh, but his heart went into something called V-fib, which is not compatible with life. It basically just means that um, it's a rhythm of your heart that your heart can't sustain it um, and can't sustain your life. And so they, um, he sort of was in and out of that a little bit. And uh, by the time he got to the hospital, he was laughing and joking, which is so his personality. And it was like, yeah, that's, oh, that's so my dad. And then uh, 
then that night I talked to him for like a minute on the phone. And the next day the hospital was calling us and saying, um, you need to come to the hospital right now. Things are going south. Wow. And it's like, my dad is in his early seventies and, um, he's had heart problems for years. This wasn't new, uh, but it was so unexpected. It was so out of the blue. And so, um, Anyways, I was able to be there with my family. They ended up life flighting my dad to Phoenix, the closest big city with a heart institute. Um, they put in a pacemaker. My dad is doing amazingly well now. Oh, he thank has, you, God. <laughs> um, right? Um, he, he still has, um, here we are more than a year later, he still has um, some nerve damage because they had to shock his heart 14 times to try and get it back into the right rhythm. Wow. And... Um, and apparently that those shocks to your heart don't just stay in your heart. They like go everywhere in your body. So he had nerve damage in his hands and feet. And so he's still, you know, struggling with that, but his, um, just his outlook on life and his, um, pursuit to, to reflect God's love for other people and to point people to Jesus. Like he just has been a huge example to our family. But while I was going through this. So anyways, my dad spent a week in the hospital in Phoenix and then they released him to a, um, to a rehab hospital for a couple of weeks after that. And then he moved back home. And so, and I was staying with my mom through all of this. So I was kind of displaced from my normal schedule. Um, this was prime writing time for me. And I was like, I, I, my book is not going to get done. So I was, I was there with my family for about five weeks. And at that point, dad was doing really, really well. And we were all just so thankful. Uh, but all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, yeah, they pushed my deadline back, but I still have to write a book. <laughs> yeah. I still have to get this done. And so I thought, Hey, I, I, you know, I had my storyline. I'm not really a plotter, but like, I knew like, Oh, this is where we're going with the story. It's going to be great. And a lot of the framework of the story some of the framework of the story stayed the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, the lobster fishing business part that all stayed the same, but family relationships within, um, within the story were much different. And originally I had planned that, um, that Meg Whitaker, the main character was going to lose her mom. And after my dad's nearly losing my dad, I was like, Nope, no, I, no, I she can't lives. do that. I, yes, I cannot, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. But it turned into kind of this, um, this struggle as I was dealing with how do I love my dad and show love to my dad, invest in my relationship with him and not knowing how much longer I'm going to have him, you know? And like, that's, it's such a morbid thing to think about. But it was such a, my dad's, he calls it his episode, not an episode, definitely a heart attack or, <laughs> you know, cardiac arrest. Um, he, um, it, like I, it was, it was such a wake up call of, um, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have him in my life. And so how do I, how do I live in light of that? Like, what choices do I make in my relationships with my dad and with my mom too, and with really everybody in my life? Because yeah. isn't that the truth? Like, none of us are promised another day. Like, we are, um, 
we're not promised anything. And so how do I live in light of that? How do I show and invest and show them and invest in relationship with them? And that became really the heart of Beyond the Tides that I didn't even, I did not know that was coming. I was like, I, I thought this was going to be a story about grief. And it, in some ways, like, and, and in dealing with loss, and in some ways it is, but it's kind of that extended, like learning to grieve in a long process, like learning to cling to the person that you love and show them love, even though you don't, even though it's going to hurt more when you lose them. Yeah. And it just was like, that was not what I anticipated, but it ended up, I just remember I sent it to my publisher and I was, or to my editor at my publisher. And I thought, I don't know what she's going to say about this book because it wasn't exactly what I set out to write at all. Yeah. And um, as she sent it back in the first word uh, a month, about a month later, she sent it back and the first word in her email was wow. <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, <laughs> I, and I just was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I think it's coming across. Like, I think like, I hope that I did justice to that, to that theme, to really dealing with, because it was what I was going through in my life. And at the same time, like here we are a year later and I had to say to my dad, I was like, dad, I, I'm going to be talking a lot about my book coming out. And are you okay with me sharing your story? Because it's your story as much yeah. as it's my story. And when all of that was happening, like my mom and sister are very not social media kind of people. And so yeah. they didn't want anything on social media. So I was like, oh, yeah. so, so cautious not to share, like only to share with small individual groups to say, would you be praying for my dad? Or, you know, I just want you to know what's going on. This is yeah. why I'm not going to be attending group or, you know, whatever. And so, so it really, like this is talking about this book is really the first time that I've talked publicly about what my family went through last year. Yeah. And yet, and, and my dad was just like, <laughs> he was, he was so my dad, just typical, my dad, he just made a joke and then was like, just make sure you say nice things about me. <laughs> I was like, Of course I will dad. Like the only not nice thing I'm going to say is don't you dare do that again. You scared the daylights out of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it really just was one of those things where it was like, I, I tend to want to write about what God is doing in my life. And like how, how he, what he's teaching me, what I'm going through. But at the same time, I often find that um, usually it's like what I've already learned and yeah. this, I was writing it while I was going through it and it became much more therapeutic than anything else I've ever written before, because it was about, it was, it was in the time frame that that I was going through it, but I didn't have a choice because yeah. it was like, I immediately knew I cannot write a story about losing your parent. Like yeah. that is, that is just, nope, I cannot do that right now. And, and, and yeah. And so the rest of the story just really, it just, you know, came so naturally out of what I was, what I was wrestling with myself, which is how do I show my dad that I love him Yeah, and make memories that when he is gone, I have really fun things to look back on. Right, and right. Really good times for us to remember. Like that I remember the laughter, that I remember the memories that we've made. And um, yeah, so, so that's really at the heart of the book. 
Yeah. You know, so one of the things that I wanted to have you give some um, ideas, encouragement or, or whatever to listeners is um, yeah. everybody has their own space where when I'm in the middle of something, I have to write or when yeah. I'm in the middle of something, I can't write. And then there's the I'm in the middle of something and I kind of feel like maybe it would make me feel better. And I have a deadline, but I don't know. And so for instance, when my mom was in the hospital and then she died, it was, um, I just kind of said, I kind of, kind of threw my hands up in the air yeah. metaphorically. And I was like, I'm not doing anything and yes. except for just be with my family. Yeah. And, um, and so it was, really hard. The writing like took forever to get back into it because then after she died, then I, I was doing that same thing that you were talking about where I just felt like I needed to make sure every single person I cared about, which is, you know, quite a few people, a lot of people yeah, yeah. knew like, just so you know, just so we're clear, I love you. And I think yes. you're awesome. And it just kind of, kind of, I don't know, it took some time and it was right. months before I was writing. So again, yeah. that book definitely did not come out when I thought it would. So yeah. So what are some of the, like in the middle of it, uh, today's the day that I'm, you know, today's today I woke up and I decided I am, or I am not going to write like in those hard times, like what are some yeah. of the things that might be encouragement, uh, or, yeah. or helpful bits to other people? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think first of all, just giving yourself permission to be right where you are. And um, so maybe that is, I can't write right now. Like I just can't write right now. Um, and that's okay. Like everyone will understand. <laughs> and yeah. for me, it was my publisher saying like, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna miss my deadline. Like I just, I'm gonna tell you that right now. I'm gonna miss my deadline. And that is what it is. And you know what? Nobody at my publisher was mad, nobody. Yes. Everybody was like, we understand. Um, and the same with readers, like, you know, if you have readers expecting a new book from you at such and such a date, they'll understand, like, that's not worth you pushing through in a time where you're really aren't able to write. Um, I think you do a disservice. I think we all do a disservice when we push through and write in times where we're not emotionally available to put that into the story. Yeah. And um, as you said, like, after you lost your mom, it was all about um, focusing on those other relationships. Yeah. For me, it was, how do I invest with my dad? How do I dive into that relationship? Um, as well as other ones, but that was most important for me. So yeah. for five or six weeks, it was all dad all the time. Yeah. Uh, even though, even though it was during COVID. And so I'm standing outside his rehab hospital window, like, Hey dad, you know, like, because I couldn't see him. Right. Um, right. I, that, it was, I forgot, yeah. even though we're in the middle of it still, I yeah. still forgot. Oh man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, it was pretty rotten, but, um, I totally empathize with others who, you know, their loved ones are in the hospital and you can't be by their side. And yeah. it's so painful. Mm. So, so give yourself, just give yourself permission to be where you are. And for some writers, writing is therapy and, and it regularly is. So whether that's journaling or whether it's storytelling or whether it's just writing out what's going on. My mom is um, not 
she's not a fiction writer, um, but she leads Bible studies. And I find her writing regularly because she's collecting all the information for Bible study. And I'll look and she's got 15 pages, you know, just for Bible study. And I'm like, that's impressive, mom. Um, but during my dad's um, time in the hospital, she was journaling every day. And part of it was for her to be able to, when my dad was ready to say, this is what happened. Like, if you want to know, this is not, these are the facts, but also here's like, here's how your family rallied together. Here's how your friends rallied together. Like, Aww. here's the people who love you so much that they dropped everything and came to Phoenix, even though they couldn't go to the hospital to Can see I you. actually see you. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Just because they wanted to be near, you yeah. know? And so it was like, so for my mom, it was journaling. Um, and that was really therapeutic for her, I think. And so I think like wherever you as a writer are at, like, like, use your writing when you're ready, as you're able, as it's helpful to you, because we're all individuals. Yeah. And so I think, I think the, the biggest thing I can say is just take the pressure off. Don't um, succumb to the pressure of feeling like you need to um, produce, produce, produce in a time where your spirit is wounded and you're struggling. Allow yourself to, to be, to begin to find healing. And sometimes that healing does come through writing. So I won't say don't write, yeah, just, yeah. just, you know, like follow how your spirit is leading and, and how you feel like God is leading you. If you're feeling like I, I have to produce just for the sake of producing, even though I can't do it right now, like just let yourself off the hook. That's, yeah. I think what I would say. And I think one of the things that I wanted to add was, um, it's, it's very difficult um, this is me speaking. It's very difficult for me to, um, not assume based on the way somebody said something. It's very mm -hmm. difficult for me not to assume that they're judging me, that they're mm -hmm. trying to shame me, that my decision yeah. is different from them. So yeah. I'm not really sure how to, um, help other people in, in actual steps, but I do want to encourage you. If you're somebody who you need to write through the pain and it helps you, my goodness, don't let anybody like me try to shame you into, you should be spending time with whatever. Um, right. And if you're the other person and you can't write now, don't let anybody shame you into like this. This is all about you dealing with life in the best yep. way that you can. And so when we have friends who are going through anything, you know, big things or small things or whatever. Um, I think it's important for us to remember times that we felt that maybe somebody was unintentionally or intentionally um, <laughs> trying to make us feel shame and try to remember like not to use our words or our facial expression or whatever in a way that we might accidentally be doing that to the people that we love too, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We are all individuals and we're all going to process process things differently. And so, I mean, as, as writers, you know, when God's put words in our hearts, like, yeah, that's a way that, that we process things a lot of times. And so if that's what, that's what you feel like you need to do, then by all means go for it. Yeah. I think it's really, it's, you know, just, just test yourself, like check your own heart. What do yeah. I need? to get through this, what, you know, what would be helpful in processing this and, and then, yeah. And then follow that and, and don't let others don't compare yourself to how others have, have processed. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because we're, 
we're individuals. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Liz, I'm going to let you decide uh, where you want to, to go from here. Cause I, I yeah. see a fork coming up in the road. Um, <laughs> sure. uh, between the two of us, we thought of enough stuff to talk about for probably two or three hours, but that's yeah. possibly too long for an episode. So <laughs> Um, so I can see uh, two really great things to kind of segue into. One is um, when you know that you're now behind in, in deadlines and mm -hmm. stuff, like what do you do? And what when you realize that you're going to change part of the book, this is not going to be what you, you know, even if you're not a plotter, what you mentally imagine the book was going to be, what do yeah. you do? So that's one thing. Or yeah. um, we were talking about marketing and how um, we actually can connect with our readers by sharing some of the hard times in our lives and not just making everything look beautiful. So I'll let yeah. you decide, you know, which direction you want to go here. What do you think uh, would be, sure. both yeah. of them would be helpful to, <laughs> to listeners. So I'll let you kind sure. of go. Sure. Um, well, I think probably uh, for <laughs> the answer to the, the first fork <laughs> um, option <laughs> for me was really simple. And it simply was um, when when, as I started to heal and as I needed to process things, I just sat back down and I started writing again. And that was the right time for me. And so, yes, I was on deadline still. Yes, I needed to produce. Yes, I had to, you know, I had to continue to push myself. Um, but ultimately I found that I wanted to, um, I wanted to process what I had been through. And so the writing helped with that. And so the faster I wrote, the more I processed. And so that worked out well for me. Nice. Um, I don't really have specific tips for, for that. Um, so I will say um, that I think that on the marketing side, I think that our wounds and our brokenness, that's where we meet people. That's where we connect with people. That's like, when I think about, um, you know, social media, Instagram posts that, you know, are picture perfect, perfect every time. Those aren't the people that I feel like I can connect with. And those aren't really the people that I want to hear their stories. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm like, eh, your story is perfect. Great. Mine's <laughs> not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I, so I tend to be someone who I, I was a publicist for four years and then I worked in book marketing for another six and um, I loved working in the publishing industry. And uh, one thing that I always tried to focus on as a publicist was telling your story, um, telling your story, not the book's story, because the book is important and is wonderful and is encouraging and hope filled. And it is full of, um, you know, maybe it's an escape, maybe it's an adventure, maybe it's, you know, it, it's going to provide all these wonderful things for your reader. But at the end of the day, what the reader really wants is the author, they want to know the author, they want to feel like they have a connection with them. And the only person who can give the reader the author is the author. And so you have to be you have to share part of your story. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that you have to share um, the worst thing that's ever happened to you or that you have to um, unpack to, um, you know, secrets that, that are just for you or just for you and a select few. Um, but when we share our heartbreak, when we share our trials, um, I think that that's when like, that's what people connect around. When I think about my friends, we're not friends because we always laugh together. We're friends because 
we've walked through divorces and we've walked through child loss and we've walked through pain and we've walked through parental loss and we've walked through like we've walked through really hard times together and that's why we're friends because we've walked those hard times we've also laughed together and we've watched silly movies together and you know so there there is balance there but um but we wouldn't have the depth of relationship without that moment of brokenness and i think that yeah. that's where that's where people connect. And so when you're trying to connect with readers and if you put on a facade that says, my life is perfect and everything is great and I've never struggled a day in my life. Um, I was an overnight success. Look at my great book that sold a gajillion copies. And you know, I'm the next JK Rowling or whoever, you know, like, that's great. I don't really want to be friends with that person. I don't want to know more about them because inside I'm going, okay, the jealousy is rearing its ugly head. And I'm like, why didn't that happen for me? But when I have a conversation with someone who's real, or even when they share something on social media, that is like heartbreaking. Like I think about two, two of my author friends right now who are walking very different, but very painful roads. I think about how they're expressing that in social media and I'm just in awe of them because, and I, I'm like, I want to be more like them, not just because they're great writers, but because they're wonderful women who are, who, you know, who are figuring out how to walk these hard things in life and to do so with hope and grace and faith. And those are all things that I want to emulate. So yeah, for me, I just... I think, I, yeah, I, I just keep going back to like, it's hard for me to talk about what my dad went through, what my whole family went through. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little misty over here. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, but, you, you um, had me crying from the beginning. <laughs> so I was like trying to pretend that I wasn't wiping away my. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got my tissue over here just in case things go, but I'm going to try to keep it from like ugly cry, um, <laughs> keep from doing an ugly cry. But um, yeah, but I just think like that's like, yeah, like the, those those points are the things that we connect with and connect yeah. on. And I often, um, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling about this, but I'm so passionate about this topic because yes. I find like it has long before I went through this with my dad, I even think about like the hard things in my writing career and that those are areas where I connect with both readers and other writers about. And um so a couple of years ago, I was asked to write a blog post for a blog that sadly has closed its doors, um, but it was called Seriously Write. And they asked if I would write a, an encouraging blog post. And I was like, oh, I don't have anything encouraging to say. <laughs> and I thought, okay, all right. Like, what, what do I want to say? What do I say? And around that same time, I, um, I had started noticing something new showing up on all of my books. And I was like, this is different. And so I told that story in my... Um, in this blog post and um and I, I don't tell it to brag it's hard it's hard to say this without you know without sounding like I'm bragging but what I want to start by saying is I wrote a book um in 20 2013 that I it was like the book of my heart and I loved this book and it was it, it was my book. It was like, um, it was the book that God had put on my heart. And I loved this story. I know I loved it because I wrote it in six weeks. Guys, that's never happened before. Right. Wow. But 
I'll tell you why I wrote it so fast is because an editor at a, at a very nice publishing house um, was interested and she was going on maternity leave. And oh. so my agent said, we got to send it to her before she goes on leave. And I said, sure, no problem. Let me write. So it was like, I worked all day. I wrote all night. And in six weeks, I had this finished manuscript. She passed on it. Oh, <laughs> we sent it out to other publishers. I got some really nice rejections. I got some really not nice rejections. Uh, like, oh, the, the concept is really good, but the, um, the results, like the whatever, the finished product is not good. And I was like, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, that makes me feel super warm and fuzzy. Um, <laughs> I was, I, I just was, ultimately, I was like, everybody passed on it. Nobody wanted to publish it. I was heartbroken. And I just said, okay, God, I'll go back and I'll keep, I, I was already writing. I was already published at the time and I was writing for Love Inspired. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back and keep writing my Love Inspired books. But this was the story of my heart. And I was like, God, what's going on? And I was so heartbroken. And um, a year later, like almost a year to the day later, uh, my editor at Ravel called my agent and said, hey, is that book still available? Uh, the Red Door Inn. And I said, and my agent said, yes. And the editor said, great, I'd like to take it to pub board. <laughs> and, and just like, out well, of you, the blue. You already passed on it. And she's like, I know, but um, contemporary romance is selling more now. The industry has changed a little bit. Like, I'd like to give it a go. And I said, okay. So um, I sold it to Ravel. And um, in a three book deal, I had no clue. And then, and then it, I'm gonna be real honest, it did not go real well. The first um, six months were pretty mediocre sales. And I just thought, oh, this is not, this is not good. And then they, my publisher put it on sale, um, put it in a book bub and it took off. Oh, and all yeah. of a sudden it started um, hitting bestseller lists. It was a finalist for a Christie Award. It was a finalist for another prestigious award. It, um, it just, I, and it, it, I earned out my advance. I like, oh I mean, like, it just was like thing after thing after thing. And I was like, what? Oh, nobody wanted this book, right? This was my biggest failure. This was like the book that I was like, this is the book of my heart, but nobody else cares. And I thought, this is the worst. Like. And yet all of a sudden, and now all of my books carry a little tiny line under my name that says Liz Johnson, best-selling author of The Red Door Inn. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, right. It's that book that I thought was a failure. I thought I was a failure. I thought this is, this is never going to happen. And yet God's timing was right and good. And because of that, like now... Now I have this little best-selling author tag on my, you know, and it continues to sell. I look around sometimes and I'm like, why is that book that came out five years ago still selling better than many of my other books? I don't know, but it's a book that people connect with. And so I wrote this. Okay. So all of that to say, I wrote this blog post about that experience and about yeah. discovering that all of a sudden this book that I thought was a failure was not. And, um, and this experience that was so hard for me to walk through in at the time that, so I write this blog post about that and, um, and they post it and it becomes the best, like the most read blog post of their year. And wow. I was like, 
Oh, it's because people want to hear that they, they're not alone in their trials and exactly. their struggles. They want to know that there is hope. And it's like, I don't say any of this because I'm some great writer or that I, you know, that I did something like magical or found just the right formula to, you know, for my book to do well. I say it only because God has a plan and a purpose and the right time. And I'm, I'm convinced of that. I'm like, I feel strongly of that. And I rely, I lean into that because I know that, um, that life is hard and that we do go through trials, but when we can look to somebody else and say, you know what, they went through a hard time too and they survived, they're still here exactly. and they're still with us. And the pain is real, it's real. And, but so is the hope. And so yeah. I, I choose to cling to the hope and I want to, to demonstrate that and share that, but I also want to share the heartaches because I think the heartaches don't mean it, or I'm sorry, the hope doesn't mean anything without the heartaches. And yeah. so, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's really been my story all along to say, yeah, that the pain is where we connect. That's yeah. And, yeah. and so don't be afraid to share your pain. Don't be, don't feel like you have to put forth a facade that says my life is perfect. I never deal with pain because that's, that's not real. Yeah. And when you think about it, those aren't the books we write or the books we like to read. Like I would hate reading a book. I did read a book once. It was like a novella. And I thought, oh, this looks like a fun, like, you know, just a little rom-com novella, whatever. There was zero conflict and zero pain. And I hated <laughs> it. And I was like, this isn't what I want to read. What I want to read is somebody overcoming their struggle, their pain, the conflict. And yeah, it looks different, you know, depending if you're writing women's fiction versus nonfiction, you know, versus yeah. a rom-com, like whatever you're writing, it's going to look a little different, but ultimately th that's real. We want to represent real life and real yeah. life has pain. Yeah. yeah. That's really great because it's hard sometimes for people, uh, like I have a, a little uh, group called Finish Your Book. It's a membership group. We do writing sprints together, guest speakers, okay. and and um, and the whole point <laughs> in, in the book coaching program I have called Finish Your Book, like the point is to actually finish. And there are so many times when we get caught up in something. Um, I mean, I was telling one of my uh, writing group friends yesterday, uh, I have a writing group called Imaginary Friends. So I was meeting with one of my imaginary friends yesterday. That's <laughs> I love so great. That. <laughs> She's in Phoenix. I should introduce you guys. Oh, I would love that. Oh, okay. I'm totally going to do it after. Um, so anyway, uh, I was talking to her and... Um, you know, like I started writing back in the day before self-publishing where agents and editors were like, never write a series. If you don't sell book one, there's no point in writing the others. So I had right. like three book ones, you know, and then some of my friends went into self-publishing and the ones who weren't the brown nosers trying to do good and, and follow the rules people, they had two or three series of books and they yeah. like took off like hotcakes, you know? And I was like, oh, now I have three series started because I had three <laughs> single books. And then I look back and, and ask myself, well, what am I going to work on next? Well, the one yeah. book I stopped working on because my husband was in a terrible motorcycle accident. Oh. And I was like, yeah, I, I couldn't open that file without crying for right. like a year. Cause all it reminded me of was the phone call, you know, you understand. Yes. Yes. Um, the other one, uh, I, I done something terrible and stuck one story inside the timeline of another story in the okay. series. So 
so the book one goes from like April to June, but book two goes from the previous December to the following December. And I'm like, oh, oh crap. I didn't think about like, how am I going to do it? <laughs> yes. Yes. So I've, I've rewritten the beginning of that a couple of times just to find like the logical way to tell the story. But then I'm talking to Shauna and I'm like, okay, but the thing is, is that I've got the same number of books in each of these series. And if I change from my third person, which is this series to first person, which is this series, like it's going to take me some time and mm -hmm. I won't be able to get that out of my head for a while. So I might as well just keep writing in first person till I yeah. finish the series. So, oh my goodness, these are the sorts of things that um, it's, it's, you think to yourself, my gosh, don't share, don't let anybody know, like the struggle. Right. But then people can't connect with you. Yep. Yeah. I, um, yeah, so I'm part of a writer's group uh, here in Phoenix and um, there's, I guess we're, we're at six now, six regular attenders. And we have a few who live in kind of distant parts of the city. And uh, if you've ever been to Phoenix, it takes an hour and a half to get across town sometimes. And so, um, yeah, so we have a, a few who, you know, pop in when they're able, but so there's six of us ladies and we're in various stages of our publishing careers. We've got a few traditionally published. We've got some who are um, just, who are like, querying their agents right now. And that's super fun and exciting. Um, sometimes I feel like a big sister, like I'm like cheering them on, like, yeah, this is so great. Um, and we have some who haven't even finished their first manuscript yet. Like they're still working on it and that's okay. Um, but the fun part is that we're able to, um, yeah, to like be real about the challenges of the writing, of having a writing career. And so far we haven't scared off the ones who are still working on their first book, which is super good because, um, you know, like, cause there are real, like real hard things and like yeah. real things to consider and real things that are just challenging. And like, oh man, like I totally screwed this up or I can't believe I did this. Or, you know, like we just like, we can share that with each other. And I have found that it has built our relationships so much more than it ever would have if we just pretended, oh, I always have all the answers and I totally get it right all the time and I never mess up. And I finish I every book I start. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like my first book was fantastic. No, it wasn't. Um, like, or, or I've never embarrassed myself at a conference and spoken to the wrong person or, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> no, we all have. And, and it's those like faux pas, it's those mistakes that make us human, but also give us, make us connect with other people because it's a lot more fun to laugh at ourselves about, you know, silly things that we've done or, or stupid things that we've done. Um, than it is to put on that facade of I've got it all together no problem. Like, oh, you know, I went through this horrible tragedy, but I was still able to write. Like if you were able to write through a horrible tragedy, God bless you. Like that's amazing. But for most of us, maybe not the case. And yeah. so like, maybe we still open a file and it still brings tears to our eyes. Like I will never be able to reread Beyond the Tides, like the whole thing again. I don't think I could, I like, I went through it, I don't know, a dozen times throughout the editing process. And by yeah. the time I was done, I was like, this makes me cry every time. I don't think I can do this again, yeah. just because it's, it's still like, it still brings up all those memories of, as I was writing it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think, man, I think being real with each other, with 
other writers and other readers is so important. Um, it's just, it just makes for better relationships. And ultimately I think it finds us more readers. Um, yeah. like, you know, like I hate to be that person who's, you know, like, oh, always looking for new readers. But at the end of the day, yeah, like we are looking for new readers. It's our right? job. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like hopefully we've written something that we love and are so passionate about that we recognize that it is going to meet readers in a special place, that it's going to help them in some way. And I know that like a lot of authors hate to, to market themselves and it's tough. Like I'm, I'm with you guys on that. But as a book marketer for years, what I learned was not to focus specifically on the book, but on what does the book do for the reader? Like what benefit is in it for the reader? Because marketing is just all about, you know, um, telling the right story at the right time to compel somebody to take an action. But also we know in marketing that people are innately selfish. Like we're thinking about what's in it for me. And, and that's, that's true. We're humans, right? Like we are born selfish. And so we're thinking, yeah, what, you know, oh, maybe I want to read this book, but what's really in it for me. Now, if I'm looking at a book, I want to know that it's, that it's, um, there's going to be a little romance. I want there to be a kissing scene and not just like a peck kissing scene. I want a good kiss. <laughs> like a scene. good kiss. <laughs> yeah. But I also know that I don't swing all the way to the end of that romance spectrum. So <laughs> I'm going to go with, you know, sweet romances or inspirational romances. Like, you know, so, so tell me that that's what I'm going to get because that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Or maybe your reader is somebody who like wants to go on an adventure, but can't. Then you've got, you know, you've got sci-fi and fantasy and, you know, these great spec fiction novels that are taking you to imaginary places that are so cool. And so, yeah, so when you share like what the reader is going to get out of your book, then it becomes not here by my book, but instead it becomes more about what you have to offer them, which is a great, a great read, you know, yeah. which is something that they can really enjoy that will take them to where they want to go. And if you don't know where they want to go or what they want to do, ask them. Yeah. That's, you know, I'm, yeah. Yeah. And when you've got those little stories, you know, people ask me, but I know I should start a newsletter, but I don't know what to put in it. And, Ooh. um, and so with my finish, finish your book group, uh, I was like, you guys, I I'm going to, I'm going to have a newsletter session with you because I really think that all of you are in a place where even though your book's not out yet, like it's going to be out soon enough that today's the day. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah. a lot of it was, but I wouldn't know what to say. And then I went through like this whole, you know, not so much a list, but I'm like, these are all the things that people are interested in, in life in general. Yeah. It, and yeah. think about all the things that you're interested in, in other people's books, uh, yeah. the books that you love the most, and also the authors that you like really follow. Like, why do you follow them? Like, what did they say that makes you be like, I love, like, um, I, I love this uh, comic book author, Mark Wade. I just, I love his work. I love the storytelling that he does. I love the way he tells a story. Um, even though, 
like I never would have imagined that I would be reading picture books, you know, as an right? adult, essentially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so by the time we went through like 15 minutes of this and, and they started writing and then, you know, somebody was like, well, I just wrote down enough things for like 12 months. And somebody else was like, I think I'm going to have to make my newsletter be twice a month because I have like 24 <laughs> or five things because then they started realizing like, what do you love? So, so I'm like giving a little tip here too. Like, what do you love in your favorite authors and how did yeah. they make you love them so much? Like, yeah. those are some of the things that you can share with the people yes. listening to you tell, um, how you changed, um, beyond the tides. I'm just looking to make sure I say the, yeah. the right, I'm like the, the lobster book. That's how I have it in my head. <laughs> yeah. Listening to you say how that you changed beyond the tides because of what was happening in your mm -hmm. life when you're writing it mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that makes the book so much more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So like these little yeah. things, even if it's not like, that's kind of what I would say is a big story, but there's also little stories. Like I decided yeah. that, um, I was going to put this, this other kind of dog in the book instead of this kind of dog, because I actually dog sat a dog, like, just like this. And so I'm going to yes. use Harper as, you know, like yes. you can tell your readers and they'll be like, oh, that's cute. Do you have a picture? <laughs> you yes. know? Exactly. Exactly. I actually have um, taught a workshop several times about how to kind of how to be your own publicist, but basically like how to write articles and find homes for them um, based not on your book, but on the the things that surround your book. So like if you're writing Regency era romance, you should be writing blog posts for Jane Austen, you know, like um blogs out there and there are a gajillion of them yeah. like for for me I love Prince Edward Island Anne of Green Gables anything like that so if you're looking for me to like if you're visiting my social media page you're probably going to find that oh she's sharing more PEI pictures because it's gorgeous and um or when I was writing about the Georgia coast I was like anytime I would find an interesting article about something like that I was sharing about that um for example I had a whole book about um where a hurricane uncovered um, a sword handle. And uh, uh, just like a few months after that book came out, there was an article on CNN about how a hurricane had um, brought up some Civil War um, cannonballs, had like uncovered them. And I was like, see, all sorts of things are found through hurricanes, you know? And so like, just like finding things that, that are currently being talked about in the media, that's like a really great way to like connect with people. It was so funny, somebody, I was, I was teaching that workshop at a, um, at a uh, RWA conference, Romance Writers of, of America. Well, it wasn't a conference, it was like a local meeting. And there were probably like, I don't know, like maybe 50 authors in the room. And somebody piped up and was like, I write about dragons. I don't know how I could ever connect, you know, what could I possibly talk about with dragons? And I was like, well, and at the time I was like, Game of Thrones is like their last season is starting like right now. Maybe you could talk about what to do between Game of Thrones episodes, because there's a good chance that Game of Thrones fans might also like your book, depending on whatever, you know, but there's a there's a dragon tie in there. Um, or, you know, just what is the media currently talking about? I think about yeah. my friend, Rachel Houck, who- um, Oh yeah, Rachel's been on the show. Yes. Oh, she's fantastic. I adore her. Um, but she has written this whole series and has a new series about um, uh, 
royalty. And I remember when um, William and Kate got married, yes. like media was always looking for some way to cover that. No, it wasn't William and Kate. It must've been Megan and, and Harry when oh, they yeah, got that married. That was just a couple of years but ago. It's just a couple of years ago. Right. And I remember she, um, she was invited to like write an article about royal etiquette like etiquette at the at a royal wedding she was considered a royalty expert because she'd written some fiction about it but I was like this is great like they had like a little book cover of her book um they had like you know her picture on there her bio said author of you know like listed her royalty books and I'm like this is perfect because people who care about the royal wedding are interested in reading books about royalty even if they're fake royalty yeah. you know the chances of your overlap in your audience there are huge so you know look for the things that that the media is already talking about or that other people are already talking about what's in the social conscience now unfortunately the last year has not had a lot of really happy fun things to talk about yeah um you know but if you did happen to have a book about you know some terrible contagious disease like <laughs> with a hopeful ending yeah diane like, <laughs> mills book airborne came yes. out right at the beginning of the pandemic i was like i right? hope this is good for you and not bad for yes. you. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. Um, but yeah, I just, I always like, I love to look at like, what's, what's in the public interest, like, and, or like, what's a way to take what you're writing and kind of turn it on its head a little bit. I always think about, um, I was privileged to be the publicist for Cindy Woodsmall for a few years. And um, Cindy writes, well, she used to write Amish fiction. And now she's doing a little bit more kind of contemporary women's fiction. But um she had lots of Amish friends and like had like was would go visit them every year and like was really kind of deep into the Amish culture and so knowledgeable about that. And uh, it was coming up on Christmas and she had written her first Christmas Amish Christmas novella. And I said, let's pitch you to some women's magazines because I think it'd be really fun for you to talk about how the Amish celebrate Christmas. Like what, what is something that Englishers like me could you, you know, could take away from how the Amish celebrate to make my Christmas even better. And it was, you know, they were simple tips, like, you know, keeping things very simple and like yeah. homemade and like things like that, but they were really cute and great things. Anyways, we did a sidebar and published it in Hope for Women magazine, and it like went like gangbusters. And um, but the title of my pitch was Party Like the Amish. <laughs> because I thought, you know what, like turn it on its head, like make people think about things in a little different way to yeah. grab their attention. But at the end of the day, you've provided something really practical for your, you know, to help people out. And I think newsletters are this are also a great place to like, hey, I write Amish fiction or I write fiction like from a specific, you know, area or something. And this is how we would celebrate this holiday or like maybe you don't celebrate oh maybe you're writing something in new orleans and for the rest of like for somebody like me i've never lived in new orleans but i'm curious about mardi gras like what if you like like how to celebrate mardi gras when you're not there like why do you celebrate Mar mardi gras i don't have any clue but um but those are things that like that other people might be really interested in that you could totally pack into your into your newsletter sorry yeah but he trailed on that. <laughs> no, this is exactly, this is exactly the sort of, you, you, you took both forks. You were not, uh, um, Frost, uh, what's Frost's first name? Um, Robert. Robert. I'm like, he's yeah. my favorite poet. Yeah. You, you were not Robert Frost and took one path. You took both, which is great. Two. 
I love it. What writers I backtracked can do. on myself, and That's right. so so just to to remind readers. So yeah. what what are you interested in? What's happening in your life? And what are you interested in in other of your favorite authors' lives? And then how can you give your readers? things that would be interesting to them yes. and think about um, you can put these things in your newsletter, in your social media, and you could pitch magazine articles and get your name out in front of thousands more people. Yes. Yes. These are awesome Absolutely. tips, Liz. I love them. You've given me an idea. Oh, I, I think, I don't know if you remember, um, I didn't read romance in, in high school. I wasn't really interested in it. I liked uh, Stephen King and Dean Koontz. I read like sure. all of their books in high school. And, um, but I remember seeing uh, the back cover of a Barbara Cartland novel and the entire okay. back cover was a picture of her that was basically the 1970s version of a glamour shot. <laughs> Do you remember glamour shots? Yeah. And I yes. was just looking at her going, she looks like the queen of something that does uh -huh. not look like a book I want to read, you know? <laughs> no, no. So I was that thinking, was like, yeah. Yeah. Like so every... I'm going to find that picture and uh -huh. I'm going to put it in my newsletter and I'm going to yep. like put like a, like a circle and an arrow. And then, you know, the text that looks like it's handwritten and I'm going to uh -huh. put, this is not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I will never, this will never be my author photo. I'll never yeah. take an author photo like this. <laughs> Uh, yeah. If you guys are listening and you're like, what in the world? Just Google Barbara Cartland author photo. I'm sure it will come up. She's like, like on any, a chase lounge and any eighties romance authors. That was like, their like go-to was the glamor shots with like, like the kind of the hazy background yeah. and the big bangs and big hair and yeah. like, and everybody had like, like off the shoulder ball gowns for some right. reason. I don't like, were they just selling those at JC Penney's? That was the thing. I don't even know, but um, yeah, I, I definitely know that when I was of age to begin reading, you know, more adult romance novels, I remember seeing those regularly going, what is going on? And then when I had to do my first author photos, I was like, mm -mm. yeah, <laughs> that is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Though I did have, um, so my author photos, the last official photos I had were taken at the beach because I lived in Carlsbad, California. And I was like, well, oh, fun. of course my pictures are going to yeah. be taken at the beach. Yeah. Um, and so the one that I've been using, um, golly, it's been probably, it's been more than five years. And, um, between time and age and me getting just sick and tired of having to color my hair like every four weeks because my brown yes. hair was turning white. Um, and then the pandemic and not being able to go out anyway, I'm like, okay. So except for like the, the last inch of my hair, this is actually my natural hair color now for the oh, first time beautiful. in 20 years. But, um, but my author photo, my hair color is more like your current color. Mm. And so this little girl about 10 years old, I handed her mom my business card and, and she looked at it and she looked up at her mom. She goes, why is her hair a different color? <laughs> and I was like, my darling, unfortunately, you will learn the answer to that in about 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just wait. Just wait. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This has been so much fun. We've probably talked too long, but I really think there's a lot of great information in here for people to dig into. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a blast. And thank you for letting me share just all the things on my heart because yes. there are many. <laughs> yes. And just to remind people, this is what our readers want. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so don't be afraid to share. Don't be afraid to, you know, just to 
open yourself up again, you know, keep your boundaries. Don't feel like you need to share things that are just for you, but, um, right. but don't be afraid to be real and be authentic because yeah. that's what readers want. They want authors and nobody can give them that, but you. Exactly. And if you're wondering, but I don't know exactly where my boundaries are, um, you could start with uh, something that I learned in my business program. I mean, I hadn't heard it before um, to teach or speak from your scars, not your gaping wounds. So that could be helpful. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's wise. That is so wise. I like it. I have sometimes spoken from my gaping wounds and then later went, why, why did I say that out loud? I'm yes. so embarrassed. <laughs> oh no. Oh. And the truth is though, that people are, you know, people I'm sure connected with that because we all have gaping wounds. Yeah. We all have our <laughs> things. And so I'm sure people connected with that, but yeah, share, share what you're ready to. Like if yeah. you had, if, if this book had come out um, you know, six months ago, I wasn't ready to talk about it. I wasn't ready to share. And now here we are a little more than a year since my dad's, um, cardiac arrest. And I am, yeah, I still have areas where I'm like, oh, that, that still stings a little bit, but it's definitely much more scars than, um, than it is that gaping wound. But man, that gaping wound was huge for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is beautiful. Thank you so much. Cause it's hard sometimes to even share these things in the context of I'm trying to help you to have yeah. Yeah, some ideas. And so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. I hope. Yeah. I really hope that this is helpful just for you to think about what you want to, as, as authors, what, what you want to share, what, what it is that you can share, what it is that you have, that's going to help you connect with other people. Yeah. Um, because the more that you connect with them, the more they're going to want to connect with you through your writing. Excellent. Oh, I love it. And I'm sure people are going, well, now I want to connect with you, Liz. <laughs> so where can people find you, uh, connect with you, find your books? Yeah. yeah. So uh, my website is lizjohnsonbooks.com. And that's all my books are on there. Um info about me, FAQs. You'll find out that I once worked at Disney World, things like that. Um, But uh, also I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of them are at Liz Johnson Books. Perfect. So easy. Yep. I don't spend much time on Twitter. So check me out on Facebook. That's really where I spend most of my time. All right, good. Yes, actually, I was there yesterday and I was like, look at all these beautiful pictures of Prince Edward Island. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a kick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. It's been great having you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a joy to talk with you, Kitty.